0: You are listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break, a two-part special, part number two. Growing up, there was always a lot of ups and downs and I've loved every part of my life so far. Every time I've failed and been defeated, I've grown so much and I've learned so much and I really wouldn't change it for the world or have it any other way. I think... It's really good for me to share my story because it's easy to look at someone from the outside and feel like they've had success come to them easy. I know when I talk at big workshops, people often say to me, yeah, Jai, but you are free the burden, you are successful. You don't know what it's like to be me and to be in my position. It's easy to create excuses for ourselves. I'm not as successful as that person because that person has money or an education or doesn't have kids or whatever else it may be. Comparing yourself to others is toxic, and because you don't actually know someone's story, what they've been through, what they've gone through, what they've lived, and who they are. And it just uses up your good energy that you could be focusing on growing your own business and creating your own success. If you feel like you're a victim in your situation, I want you to tell yourself a better story. Don't compare your story to others. Write the story you want for yourself for it in, you know, a year's time, or five years' time, or ten years' time. You have the power right now to create your own new story. When I tell stories from my childhood, these stories are no longer me. They're not even part of me anymore. They're now just stories to remind myself to keep working towards a better life. I have a new story now, and it's all about how good I can be. Growing and learning and evolving and pushing my own boundaries and seeing what is possible for myself. That is now my story. So, if this episode resonates with you and you would like to reach out for a chat, find me on Instagram at jialong.co. And if you know someone that will enjoy this podcast, help me out by spreading the word. So, let's dive in. I was determined to not let my failed business become part of my identity. I was actually determined not to give it really any energy at all. I was ready to move on and, you know, go into the next thing straight away. I needed to fast track my savings and recoup some of the money I lost in my cafe. And at the time in Australia, we were going for a minerals boom. So I asked around and my brother-in-law, Kyle, was working in the mines actually in Queensland. So I quickly jumped on that opportunity and I got my foot in the door and then... I moved up to Queensland and uh, started working the mines and making really good money. I don't know if you've ever visited a mine site or worked at a mine site before, but I want to paint you a picture. It was in the Bowen Basin in Queensland, very dry and flat country. It was an open-cut mine and we lived just a few hundred meters away in a camp and we were actually building the camp for the workers that worked in the mine. Everyone lived together and we got tiny little quarters to sleep in that had a bed, a shower and a toilet. The accommodation looked, to be honest, more like a jail cell than a bedroom. We had to wake up early each morning, before the sun, line up, get on a bus and that would take us to the camp kitchen where we would make our lunch and eat breakfast along hundreds of other workers. The gym was in the car park and it had a high wire fence around it with raised wire on top and big floodlights to light it up. The weights were old and it really did look like a prison yard. I would go to the gym at 7pm before dinner and that was really the only time I had to myself before heading back to their rooms just to get some sleep and start all over again. And I worked this for about 12 months. It would be six weeks straight working and then I'd fly home for one week. And because I was making really good money with that job, I would travel to places like Thailand and India and other parts of the world just during my breaks. I eventually moved on and got another job in another mining town, but this time in Western Australia, working on a community hospital. This place wasn't much better than the last, but it was very different. I remember my first day, I arrived at the airport and someone came and picked me up. They handed me the keys to a fairly new work truck and showed me where I was going to live for the next little while. That night, I could hear some windows at the front smashing and people were banging on our doors and they were trying to kick in the roller door and trying to kick in our door and get through the windows. So it was a pretty scary first night. Our house was right in town and it was made of concrete blocks and had big bars on the window, which I noticed straight away and I thought it was pretty odd, but after the first night staying there, I could see why. The next morning, I walked out to start my first day of the job and all the windows on my new truck were all smashed. And I found out later, it was because I locked the truck and I wound up the windows. See, people will walk past the car and look for change. So if you didn't leave the windows down with the glove box open and the ashtray open, then the locals would think you had something to hide or something of value in your car and they will go and salvage through your car. Every afternoon, all my workmates would run straight to the pub across the road from the job site and they would drink all afternoon and all night. And there really wasn't much to do after work in this small town. And I didn't really like spending my time at the pub. So I jumped on eBay and I started looking for a camera. I thought, whilst I'm in such a beautiful part of the country, why not try some photography and I could do that in the afternoons instead of going to the pub. So I bought, at the time, it was a Canon 5D and it had a fisheye lens and my flatmate that lived in the same house as me he also went ahead and bought a camera and we would go out every afternoon go for a drive in the work truck down to the ocean and we'll take photos of the sunset and the landscapes and the salt flats and the salt mines and you know things like that that were in the area and it was really beautiful like western australia is just an incredible place to see so With the desolate landscapes full of rocks and dust and salt and everything was flat, as you could imagine, you know, the red outback would be, I got better and better at taking photos so I started to put together a blog and it was a WordPress blog and I just wanted somewhere to publish my images. I would write stories about my images and what I liked about them and I called the blog Free the Bird. So none of my workmates would know I spent my time, you know, in the afternoon creating art instead of drinking at the pub. And one of the reasons why I wanted to start a blog actually was so I could practice writing. I wanted to be able to write and tell a story and it was the perfect way. I had something to write about and just adding little captions to images, for me that was a game changer. It was also one of the reasons why I started Instagram at the start as well. It was a great way that I knew no one that I knew followed me but I could you know put my work out to the world under the name Free the Bird Photography and I could write the captions and I could share the stories with people that didn't even know who I was. And it just felt, I guess, empowering for me. This job, for me, changed me in so many ways. It was the first time I've met someone that didn't have good in his heart. I never thought I would say that, you know, of all the people that I've met in my life. But it was the first time I met someone where I was like, okay, there's, I can't even find the good in your heart. It was the first time I experienced murder from a close circle you know, of people that I knew. And it was the first time i was attacked physically and psychologically don't get me wrong i've loved every job i've ever had that is just my personality but this job really was damaging i finally gave up the job and i moved back to normal civilization to be honest if you work in a job site and a lot of people say this it feels like a prison sentence you can when you come back you have to integrate back into society And it feels strange, you know, having weekends back and having afternoon and having a life, having lifestyle, having friends, things like that. So it really is, you know, coming back into civilization and it feels like a whole new world. And I was really ready for this new world. So I got myself a normal job as an electrician and I worked on just like normal housing developments and I was really ready for this stage in my life. I worked up the ladder. In this job and i was offered the position as a leading hand electrician and i was given my own job site which is amazing the only catch was lily and i had to move to melbourne which was two thousand kilometers away just for this job and because i was ready for the next adventure when i got asked i said yes and i took the job straight away This next job was amazing. It allowed me to be my own boss and to run a team of electricians and have a lifestyle at the same time. You know, living in a trendy part of Melbourne and having weekends to go camping, go exploring. And I think it was probably the first time in my life that I just felt like I made it. I was making good money and I had a life again and I felt like I changed my life and I took control of it. I was making good money and I was proud of the work that I was doing. I was working with a really nice group of people, I felt like a good community to be part of. I started getting more serious about changing my life though, and I knew I had to do something. This job wasn't going to last forever. I don't know if you've ever had a job before where you're making good money and you know it's not going to last forever, but you have to do something with that opportunity because you don't want to end up at the end of the job still having no money. So I wanted to study money. I didn't understand what was going on there. Like what the hell is money? How do some people have so much of it? And how do some people struggle to make it? I just didn't understand it. And I thought the missing piece of the puzzle was I didn't learn about money at school. And because I didn't do much schooling, then that was the misconnection. Like maybe everybody knows what money is and understands money and I don't because of that. So I contacted a financial planner. And I started reading every book I could find just to understand money. I just wanted to know, like, how do you keep it? How do you make it? How do you keep it? How do you invest it? How do you build wealth? How do you change people's lives? Like, how do you do these things? The thing was, I was living in a really trendy part of Melbourne, and there was people that were my age, and they were making good money as well. And they could afford, you know, really nice cars, and they could afford nice holidays and things like that. And even though I was making a lot of money, I just didn't have any money. And it didn't make any sense to me. So that's when the penny dropped. After two years of researching and studying, you know, about investing, talking to my accountant, talking to my financial planner, I realized that everybody doesn't just learn about money. And I also realized that a lot of it just comes down to common sense. And we just overcomplicate it for ourselves and we think it's something different because we're scared of something we don't know and because we didn't learn it then we become scared of it. I also noticed and studied the mindset of wealthy people. You know, I was surrounded by so many wealthy people. And I grew up around the mindset of people with scarcity mindset. So now I was amongst people with an abundance mindset, and I've also been around people with scarcity mindset. And for me, understanding this was an absolute game changer. How does one person think and act and take action compared to somebody else. And then, how do one person blame others for the results they're getting, and someone else takes action and they blame themselves for the results they're having? It was one of those life lessons that will stick with me forever. You know, confidence is key, and there is also abundance. There is enough to go around. This is something that I learned over those two years and I believe it today. Everything I do, you know, my workshops, my weddings that I shoot, my photo booth business, you know, my podcast, all these things. When I see something else coming up and something similar, there's so much to go around and there's a space for everybody. And I believe that and that's why I'm always trying to help people find their space in the world so they can also do what I'm doing. So I got in touch with my broker and I wanted to see if everything I learned actually worked. And what's interesting is I was only, you know, I lost all my money not too long ago. And with this new job, I was able to save $100,000 in savings. And that was a big deal for me. That was the most money I've ever had. And I went to the bank and they actually loaned me a million dollars. Do you know how weird that is? Like someone from me, from, you know, my upbringing. I looked at my bank account and there was a million dollars in there. That was huge. And that felt, I guess incredible and it felt like I was changing my life. So I hit the ground running and I bought two houses in Melbourne. And I felt so empowered with the knowledge that I learned and I felt confident. And guess what? It worked. I bought two houses and I still have them today. A few weeks after I bought the houses, I decided I didn't need my job anymore. And my logic was this, you need a job so you can buy a house to create wealth. And now that I bought the house, I no longer need the job. Because I'm a big believer is I don't want to swap my time for money. So I was trying to find a different way. And to be honest, it's still my logic today. And if you are like one of my friends and and you talk to me, I talk about it all the time. Like how can you build wealth? How can you change your life like that financially and become free from the financial stresses by doing something a little bit different? And a lot of the times, it is just common sense. So when I did set up these two properties that I bought, I bought them in such a way that they were properties that would pay for themselves. So I didn't get stuck in a job or with a mortgage and not have control of my own life. So I was able to give it all up as soon as I bought the places. Once I quit my job, I made the decision I was going to be a full-time photographer. I still had that same camera and I loved photography and I started Instagram and you know there was a lot of people that were starting to resonate with my work. And I knew I loved taking photos of people and I knew that I loved, you know, being in creative control. So weddings seemed to be the perfect fit for me and it's what I wanted to do. So I set out to be a full-time wedding photographer. So now comes my business, Free the Bird. I'll tell you one of the biggest problems, one of the funniest things, is at this time I didn't have any work booked, even though I was a full-time wedding photographer. And I also have never been to a wedding. I just didn't grow up in the, you know, the kind of environment where there was weddings. I didn't have of family members that had weddings and I didn't have those opportunities. The only wedding I've ever been to was my parents' wedding and I still remember that. It was in the lounge room of a house. My grandma flew up, uh, my uncle was there and, you know, my mom cooked a big dinner for us after the ceremony in the lounge room. And... It was really special and it was really nice to be part of. But that was my understanding of what a wedding was like. I also didn't have the right gear or the money for the gear I needed. So I just spent all my savings and I just didn't have, you know, the resources that I need. So there was a few loops I had to jump through. There was a few reasons, you know, to hold me back. So what I did to start off, and I think this is important to talk about, Because people always ask me, like, how did you start your photography career? And what did that look like? So I started off with writing my goals. And this is what they looked like. In 18 months, I want to have shot 30 weddings or have 30 weddings booked. I will shoot an international wedding. I'll be published in a wedding magazine and on some wedding blogs. I will learn how to shoot my camera in manual mode. Because at this stage, I did not even know how to shoot out of automatic and I'll hold a workshop to teach creative business to creatives. I realized these were very ambitious, but I was so eager to make every single one of these work. The next part was, how do I make this happen? So you write down your goals and you write out your ambitions, and it's like, how do you make this happen? So I started brainstorming and I came up with a pretty solid plan. Step one was start a social media account Step two was reach out to as many wedding photographers as possible in the U.S. I wanted to shoot weddings in the U.S. because it was going into wedding season over there and it was going out of wedding season here in Australia. And if I wanted to shoot 30 weddings in the next 18 months, I couldn't afford to sit around here in Australia and wait for wedding season to start in six months' time. I wanted to start straight away. So step two, reach out to every blog and magazine and just introduce myself, you know, show up as a human. I wrote a nice email saying hi to the editors and offering if I could do anything for them. I also let them know I'm on a mission to shoot a bunch of free weddings in the US and I'll be submitting a lot of work to them soon, so keep an eye out. And if they wanted to share my mission or, you know, give me any connections or any contacts, like I'm happy for it. I then relentlessly post on Instagram announcing I'll shoot for anyone, anywhere in the US for free. I'll get myself there and I'll pay for flights and I'll pay for travel. The only thing I asked in return was for a couch to sleep on for me and Leelu. I reached out to publications in the US and I shared my story. And I reached out to wedding photographers and I asked for referrals and I hustled like I never have hustled before. And within a month or so, I booked eight weddings for that US summer. Now all I needed to do is get myself there. I didn't have any savings because I just bought those two houses. But I did have a $20,000 car. So I listed my car straight away and I sold it. And with that, <laughs> I sold everything else, just whatever extra cash I could get. And then I bought a three-month trip to the US for Lilu and I and we packed up our laptop and our camera and we set off. We landed in Los Angeles and we literally knew nobody over there. I reached out to a few people from Instagram and I asked if they had a couch or something I could sleep on for a night or two. And imagine this, like, coming from small part of Australia and going to the US and it felt so big and I remember we didn't have many plans and I was telling someone that I was staying with like, yeah, I think we're just going to hitchhike up the west coast of the US and he was like, oh man, that's crazy. You don't do that in America. I guess I was so naive, but I was so full of, you know, adventure and so keen to just make the dream work however I could make it work. Our first wedding was so epic and it was a wedding in Big Bear, California. I couldn't believe it. The location was something from the movies and the wedding was so incredible. I really connected with the couple and I really tried my hardest to get the best possible photos and do the best possible job I could. Next, we traveled to New Mexico for a wedding in the desert in Taos. On our way, we stopped at every thrift store to raid them for wedding dresses. So whenever we had a second we weren't shooting a wedding, I would get Lelou to put on a wedding dress and we would do styled shoots in amazing locations like the White Sands in New Mexico and Joshua Tree and places like that because I knew I just needed more content to put on my social media and I needed more content for my blog and more content to get featured on other people's blogs as well. On that trip, not only did I get eight international weddings for my portfolio, but I also made so many lifelong friends that I love. It's funny how life works like that, you know, you put yourself out there... And I think going to the US and doing this one big adventure, it opened so many doors for me and you know, the fact that I've got so many friends over there now and connections and I can go over every year and visit all those people, you don't get opportunities like that from playing it safe. That's something that I learned from that. I even made connections with companies in the industry and I landed a few sponsorship deals. I think that really helped me kickstart my career. It wasn't easy though. (laughs) I can tell you it really wasn't actually all that easy. I remember the last few weeks we were there, we were completely out of money and we signed up to do some farm work. So we had somewhere just to stay and some food to eat. It's um, a website called uh, Woofing, if you've never heard of it. So you basically sign up and you could do four hours of work a day and then they got to provide a meal and somewhere to sleep. And so we did that for a few weeks. Just as we were waiting for the last epic wedding that I was shooting in Chicago. And this wedding was so amazing. I did a shoot for them down in White Sands. I got to stay with them in Arizona. And then just to finish off the trip, we got to shoot their wedding on the, I think the second last day that I was in the US. And it was just a great way to finish. I remember the night before the wedding, I was in the lounge room and I huddled down with Leeloo. And I was saying to Lelou, like, I don't know, we don't have a credit card and we have no money. And to be honest, I just don't know how we're going to get to the airport tomorrow. Like we just don't have anything. And I think I just felt like a failure. I felt like I was failing Leeloo and I felt like I was failing myself. And I was worried about when I got back to Melbourne, like going from the airport to home and how is the rest of my life going to look when you're in a situation where there is no money coming in and there is no money in your bank account and you do have to pay rent. Uh, At the time, I was supporting Lila, you know, she was going through and studying and things like that. So you do get to those points in life where you push and push and push and then you feel like, oh my God, like what have I done or where am I going with this or is this going to work out and why didn't I make up a backup plan? At that very moment, the groom, Harrison, walked over to us and he actually offered us a couple hundred dollars and just said, thank you for, you know, taking wedding photos tomorrow and for helping out. And I wouldn't usually, you know, say yes to something like that. But at this point, I was so thankful. It was enough for us to get to the airport the next day. And, you know, just that little bit of money to me at that time was like life changing. It's like, here it is. And I'm not one that likes to take out charity or anything. So, But I did see it as like, yeah, OK, so I was working for it. It's not like someone's just giving me something. But I always do have a little bit of guilt around when someone gives me a handout. But this was life changing for me. It's crazy how things can just work out with the universe, you know? Like, you put yourself out there, and you're pushing and pushing and pushing, and I don't know how it happened, but over those three months, like, everything just worked out, and it just kept working. It didn't make sense, and it shouldn't have worked, and if I wrote a business plan, it wouldn't have worked, but it did work. We got back to Australia, and I submitted the wedding to every blog. I got them featured on Junebug Weddings, and May Magazine, and a whole lot of other, like, really high industry standard magazines and goals and I ticked off two big ambitious goals on my list. I'm now an international wedding photographer, and I was also a published photographer. I saved up every dollar I made from the weddings and, you know, the deposits I got coming in, and I redesigned my website. I think it cost me about $1,000 at that time, and that was a huge investment for me. I'm trying to pay rent, and I'm trying to, you know, survive and support Leeloo, and at the same time, I was investing every dollar I made back into my business. I got Lila to do my rebranding, And she was at university at the time studying design. I think getting her to do my branding really helped me push my whole business, you know, up another level as well. So I booked and I shot 30 weddings in the first 12 months and I got featured on all the magazines. My portfolio looked amazing and I was now a wizard at my camera. So I knew how to shoot in manual mode and I could shoot all day long. So it was awesome. So I went all in and I launched a workshop, my first workshop. This is 18 months after I started my business. It was a creative business and photography workshop and I had a photographer called Ryan Mulehead and he flied in from the US to teach the photography part and I was teaching the business part. But doing something like this, so early on, you do get haters. The photographers that had a stronghold on the industry at the time and the workshop scene back then started reaching out to me, saying things like, who are you to teach a workshop? Or you're undercutting the workshop market and everything else. It was not the easiest thing to do, to go against everyone. You know, go against your peers and the people that you look up to. But I had the confidence that I could change people's businesses with the knowledge that I had from, you know, the last 10 years. The workshop ended up with around 10 attendees and I put so much money and so much energy into this workshop. And at the end of the workshop, I think I was out of hand and it cost me about $5,000. So it cost me $5,000 to put on a workshop and then all the work and all the effort that I put in to teach people to level up their businesses. So to a lot of people, something like that would be an absolute failure. But to me, it was just the investment I had to make. And the work I had to put in to create an experience that people would love and talk about. And if I did it again, they would spread the word for me. And then I'd be able to do more workshops. So just having the foresight like that. All I seen it was, it was like, this is the hard work. I had to get into the trenches and do it. And this is the investment. This is the ticket for my education. That was my very first workshop. And that single workshop skyrocketed my career. All of a sudden, I was asked to talk at the biggest conferences. And to talk at other people's workshops as a guest speaker and other photographers. And I think it really just helped me put my business on the map. And at the end of my first 24 months in business, I shot 60 weddings in four different countries. I held a workshop. I was named in the 30 Rising Stars of Wedding Photography by New York Magazine, Rangefinder. I was a runner-up Australian Photographer of the Year by Capture Magazine. And I was published in all my favorite wedding magazines. And even though I wasn't really making any money and I still didn't have a car and Lelou and I lived in share accommodation just to make the dream work, it really felt like I was getting somewhere with my career. And I was really proud as well of just, you know, putting that much work and effort into something and now starting to see the results, like starting to see like it takes shape. I did get some funny hate mail though, and you always do. When my career was blowing up so fast, like people just assumed Someone's handing it to you. A few of my peers in the industry were not stoked about it and they blamed me for their decline in business. I still remember that and I still remember those people and the things that they would say to me. And an interesting one was a professor from photography school in America wrote to me probably like a 10-page email and deconstructed every photo that was in the 30 Rising Stars Award and proceeded to critique every photo that I entered and told me what was wrong with them. And you want to know what the crazy thing was? He was 100% totally right. And all the feedback he gave me in such detail was so amazing. I learned so much from him. And my photography just got better and better from that. Like I agreed with everything he was saying. And I was glad that he pointed it all out. And I'm sure that's not the result that he wanted. (laughs) But I think when you have the confidence in yourself and you have the vision of like, I'm doing it for myself and I'm growing and I'm pushing. Then, you know, if if someone's trying to shake you, it just doesn't work. For me, I was just growing and growing and growing. And it was the exact, I guess, truth that I needed at that time so I could keep pushing myself and keep leveling up as well. And guys, people will always get upset if you fail and people will get upset if you succeed. So don't put energy into trying to please other people. If you do it for you, you will seriously be an unstoppable force. I won't go into detail about my photography business. I do find it sometimes hard to talk about a lot of the success that I get because sometimes it feels like I'm bragging. So I just want to say I still fight every day to make the dream work. I do whatever I have to do to not go back to where I come from. And I love what I do and I love the life I've built. It's incredible. Like, it's all about making sacrifices. Like, right now, Lilo and I, we live in a tiny house and we don't have a TV and we don't have a nice car and we don't have a lot of the comforts and luxuries that a lot of people have. Like, we're in a house that's hot with no insulation and there's no air conditioning and things like that. And yes, I do make, you know, good money, but I invest it back right now into all my projects, like creating this podcast and doing things like that because. I'm not here to make money, I've already let go of that whole thing of, you know, I need to make money to change my life and now it's like, no, I need to change my life and, you know, do that through creative outlets and creating projects and doing things that I feel like could be bigger than me or that I guess just make me really happy, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's not lost on me though that I travel the world and I make money from doing what I love And I have complete control over my life. Like I want to show you that and tell you that because it's inspiring. Like if you're, you know, if you're a creative entrepreneur and you're not there yet, like I would want someone like me to tell me that it's going to work out. You're going to get there and you will see success. It still blows my mind every time I'm sitting at the airport lounge with a drink in my hand heading on the next adventure. Whether, you know, that's shooting a wedding in Italy or Africa or America or, you know, Chicago or New York or talking at a conference in Germany or, you know, in the U.S. and bringing my message and knowledge to people all over the world and pushing my boundaries. Just getting up there on stage. I was, I never went to school and I never had to stand in front of a class and give presentations, you know. I didn't do those things. So I'm so far out of my comfort zone when I teach workshops and when I get on stage and talk to hundreds of people, and those experiences for me now is the space I need to be in so I keep growing. I need myself to be scared and I need to feel like what I'm doing all the time is making a change or I'm growing and I'm building from all these life experiences. And it feels so satisfying just knowing I've built everything right now off my own back with the help you know, from my wife and all the beautiful people in my life that I have. It's amazing what you can do when you have focus and drive to change your life and not let your old story hold you back. I'm so lucky I've had a partner that's had the same drive and inspires me with all the amazing things she does as well. If she wasn't here through my failures and my success, I don't think I would have the strength I do to do it right now. I couldn't do it alone. I'm so thankful, incredibly thankful for my mom. She's been there and she's been through more than anyone I know. And she is the strongest person I've ever met. She's been my biggest role model in life, and I've always I always think about what she's been through and how she's overcome, you know, she's been against all the odds and she's overcome it all. It gives me the power to do it as well. My whole family is incredible. All my brothers and sisters are insanely kind. They're compassionate and they're driven. We've all had different upbringings through different stages, but none of them have ever felt that their backstory has held them back. They inspire me and they give me unconditional love, and for that I'm so thankful. So guys, the last thing I want to talk to you about is my new business, and it all started from my very first workshop. It's now called Jialong.co, and that includes spreading business knowledge to those that need it. This is the biggest, most rewarding project I've ever worked on and I have a whole team of people that are on board with all the crazy ideas and together, they make the dream work. Doing projects like this podcast has been a game changer for me and I love the fact that I can do creative projects and just play in life. Like, how insane is that? No one told me when I grow up that I still get to be a kid and still get to choose what I do every single day and that blows my mind. So, let's take it back to today. I'm trying to buy a house to live in that Lelou and I have dreamt of for so long now and to be honest, you know, lelou has been with me for, you know, through everything and I feel like she deserves something like this and I want to change her life. I want her to have, her to have a better life and it can feel impossible and even though, you know, I could use my excuse, all the excuses, that the world isn't fair and you know i can't buy one or i don't deserve one i just remember back to every time i work to make that goal happen i'm ready to change my life today i make decisions not out of fear but out of the power that i know i can change my life i can write my story and aspire to do more and be more and love more so before i end this two-part special i just wanted to recap on a few takeaways that I've tried to include in this message. Self-confidence will get you everything. Be resilient and don't let anything like failure stop you from living your best life. Whatever problem you're facing right now, today, chances are you have faced something similar before and sometimes something harder before. Use that same ambition and do it again. And of course, don't let people that don't have your best interest at heart give you advice or jade your perspective. Trust in yourself and your own vision and prove to yourself that it is possible. And of course, a big thank you to you guys for taking the time to listen to my stories and allow me the space to share so freely. I really hope my story can help even just one person out there that needs to hear it. If you enjoyed it, and would like to reach out and say hi, you can find me on Instagram at JaiLong.co. And I always love seeing people sharing this podcast on Instagram and tagging me as well. So until next time, guys, you're listening to Jai Long. I'll see you soon. Spread the love and create opportunities for the people around you. Make Your Break is brought to you by Jai Long and produced at our in-house studio, through the Bird Productions. We love creating opportunities for you and hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more information on this podcast, our online courses, products, workshops, or just want to say hi, we're here for you at JaiLong.co.